Praise the Lord, church. Wonderful to be in the house of God this Sunday morning. Amen. And I um, want to thank um, Pastor Butcher for the opportunity to be here today. And it's wonderful to see so many faces. You guys had a pretty firm border for a while there, so it was hard to get over here. Um, to Pastor Butcher's comments earlier, I've just met my three-year-old niece for the very first time. Uh, she was born in amongst the shutdowns and... Uh, so uh, it was a blessing to be here and to spend some time with her also yesterday to see so many of the brethren. But uh, it is an honor to be here and to stand before so many friends and, and people of God. And uh, we are blessed to come to the house of God on a Sunday morning. So I do give honor to Pastor Butcher and, and Sister uh, Butcher. I'm sorry to hear of her uh, back issues this morning. We'll pray for her. Um, also, my very first youth leaders, Brother Cameron and Sister Anna, uh, wonderful to see you in the house of God here today. Um, many here don't know, but Brother Cameron used to drive me home from youth group back in the early Brisbane days when I was still wearing footy shorts and singlets to church, and I uh, thank him for his uh, <laughs> going easy on me back then in the early rough days, um, but I'll uh, give honor to other ministers and leaders here. It's good to see my good friend, Sister Emma. Uh, the most organized person in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and uh, it's an honor to see you again here, sis, and, and uh, miss those emails coming through. <laughs> but I wonder if you would uh, join with me uh, as we turn to the Word of God here this morning, um, reading a, a well-known portion of text, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through to verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through to verse 31. Um, I wonder if you'd stand with me for the reading of God's Word, out of reverence for His Word. And while you're standing, I'd want to take the time to give honor to my pastor, Pastor Harvey. Thank him for his wonderful leadership and, and, and love for, for me and my wife and my family. And thank him for releasing me to be here this weekend. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through to verse 31. The Bible reads, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isn't that a beautiful portion of text that we read here this morning? Many here could quote that. It's a, it's a favorite. But with the help of God here this morning, I want to speak to you on a thought that I really believe touches every Christian believer, regardless of who you are here today. It's a thought that spares no man or woman of faith. It spares no office or department. It spares no Christian. I want to speak to you on the thought here, the critical moments. The critical moments. Would you put your Bible down and join me in prayer as we pray for the ministry of God's Word here this morning. Father, we love you here today. Father, we thank you for your presence that we feel in your house. We thank you for... Your anointing, Lord Jesus, that can do more than any man or any woman's thoughts or intentions, Lord Father. 
We pray right now that your hand would be upon this service, Lord God, that your word would touch soil and cause change in us, that would glorify your name, O Lord God. Anoint my lips that I might speak a word that would edify and encourage somebody in your house here today. We give you all the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise and every person of faith said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise here today. Amen. Praise God. The critical moments. Please be seated in the house of God. The critical moments. Well, completing my degree was one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing, I've ever had to do in my entire life. Any person that knew me at high school and saw the type of student that I was must have surely fallen into a type of shock at the knowledge that I even enrolled into university. I was a horrible student. Everyone say horrible. That was me. My behavior wasn't too bad. I mean, you know, I wasn't like destructive. Uh, But I just did not care about my school grades. And as I was preparing my thoughts for this message and I was hearkening back to some examples of that, of which there were many examples, I decided to share a particular time when I decided to get on the tractor at school and roll the cricket wicket during the school hours when I was in year 12. Uh, We had a a cricket uh, pitch on our oval in the main school and so I wanted to make sure that it was a good wicket for the Saturday game. So I got on that roller and I was rolling that wicket. And you might be sitting here thinking, that doesn't sound too bad, you know, the cricket player rolling the wicket. But I did it while we had a legal studies exam at the same time. Uh, And so I just did not care. It is no understatement. When I say I did not care about my schooling, I did not care about my schooling. So the mere fact that I enrolled into university was enough of a shock for most people that knew me back then. But the thought of graduating was utterly astonishing to the people that knew me at school. I remember the very first class, the very first morning of my degree in late February of 2008, catching the bus in where I embarked on a Bachelor of Arts, which was the only course that my terrible high school grade would allow me into at that time. And uh, by some miracle, and honestly a good amount of effort, I was able to move from that Bachelor of Arts to a Bachelor of Biomedical Science where I was squarely out of my comfort zone and my depth at that point. I fast forward five and a half years and a move from Queensland to New South Wales, an engagement, a marriage and many, many horrible casual jobs later, uh, my special day finally arrived. The day that I would graduate from university. Now, there were many occasions when I was studying down there, mostly in the University of New South Wales, where I looked out at the graduation lawn and I saw the people graduating and looking so happy and taking photos with their families. And it was a source of strength for me, an encouragement for me to look out and to see those moments. It always felt, however, that despite how long I was grinding and as I moved through the the, the various semesters, it felt to me that that day would just never arrive. But lo and behold, in the June of 2013, 
that day finally came. I remember it so vividly. It was the day I had dreamed about for five and a half years. It was uh, the thought that kept me going during the long night studying at the university library. The thought of my graduation was one that gave me encouragement as I would burn through countless notebooks trying to memorize content. And those of you here that have gone through school or university, you might also understand where I'm coming from. It was a thought that encouraged me when my wife and the youth groups would be fellowshipping and I had to stay home and complete assignments. I would be so discouraged that I would just dream about that graduation day. It gave me strength when I was discouraged. Praise God. And finally, after all of that, five and a half years of dreaming about this day, it finally arrived. It was my turn. It was my day. It was Again, the day I had been dreaming about for five and a half years. And my university kindly gave me five tickets for people to come to my special night. I gave one to my wife, one to my mother, one to my father, one to my mother-in-law, Angie, and one to Jared Cannon as the uh, fifth wheel, which he did many times over the years. So I was lining up there on that night with that funny gown on and that funny hat. And I looked up at the upper deck at the university hall and I could see my proud family, my mother and father still scratching their heads, not believing that they were watching their son graduate from university. And finally it was my turn and I walked up on that stage and I shook the hand of the vice-chancellor and I grabbed my certificate and I walked off that stage and do you know what I felt when I stepped off that stage? I felt massively underwhelmed as I stepped off that stage. That emotion as I stepped off that stage felt like nothing that I thought it would feel like. I thought I would be weeping with emotion as that day finally came and I stepped off that stage with my certificate, but I almost felt nothing. And church, as I reflect back on that evening, I am reminded of the mistake that I made. It was a mistake that I made over the course of five and a half years. The mistake of believing that the most significant moment of that five and a half year journey was going to be on that evening of my graduation. But I learned it was not. It was not even close. And as I look back at that day, it was not the 30 seconds that I spent walking across a stage to collect that piece of paper that I draw strength from. It was the weight. It was the toil. It was the hours that I spent in lonely nights in the universe university library that nobody saw. Times where I would be reading over endless pages of a textbook while everybody else was asleep. The critical moments of this journey for me were not as I thought that they would be, but they were the times when I felt like giving up. But something inside of me said, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I submit to you here today that our critical moments in the kingdom of God are not as we think 
that they would be. They are not the milestones when we have our names on banners. They are not the milestones of public victory. They are not the times of blessings and smooth seas. They are the moments of private intimacy when you don't know what to do next. But all you know to do is to keep being faithful and to operate in the season of the wait. Praise God. It's those times where you don't know what to do, but open up the word of God and you read scriptures like this that say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding or where Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. Praise God. I submit to you here today, Christians, sons and daughters, the living God, that the critical moments of our faith are not what the world would think, but they are the times when nobody's watching you, but you you have a relationship with God and you turn to him. Praise God. These are the critical moments of our faith. Can someone say amen? We have this belief here today and the many people in the world have this belief that success is arrival. That success is milestone. That success is completion and it's accomplishment. It affects the things that we project. And we're all guilty of this. The athlete posts photos of trophies and medals. They do not uh, put up photos of training uh, at night time in the cold rain. Students will put up images of graduation night, my example, not the nights where they would be grinding at the library over textbooks. This is success, and so therefore, it's what we project. Amen. Arrival is what we project. And I'm here to remind you here today that arrival may hold value in the sight of man, but I'm truly convinced here today that arrival does not hold the same value in the sight of God because in the sight of God, success is waiting and success is abiding in Him and success is being faithful and success is refusing to turn your back and give up on God in difficult seasons. Can someone say amen? I tell you here today, I truly believe what gets the attention of God is people that are weary and people that are tired, but yet they are still faithful to the house of God. Yet they're still faithful to the church and to the house of God. They keep waiting on the Lord despite how discouraged that they feel. These are the critical moments of our faith. And the Bible tells us that it's at this time that the Lord shall renew your strength and you shall mount up with wings as eagles, that you shall run and not be weary, that you shall walk and not faint. Praise God. We've got to get this deep in our spirits. We've got to stop searching for the mountaintop experiences of our faith and understand that we get the attention of God when we're in the middle of the valley on the way down and we are still faithful to Him. We still come to the house of God when we don't feel like doing it. That's what the Bible says. Gets the attention of Jesus Christ. If you're here today... You're feeling tired and weary. I got some news for you here today. If you felt, if you woke up this morning and felt, I don't really feel like coming to the house of God, but you do what you knew to do and you came in anyway. I got a word for you here today that you are getting the attention of God, that that is pleasing in the sight of God. Amen. Because it's promised in his word that you shall be renewed here today. Because we don't need his strength. When we are standing 
on the apex of a mountain looking down. But but it's when we're in the valley, looking up, thinking, how on earth am I going to get myself out of this mess? This is is when the Lord can do things in our life that we can't do for ourselves. See, God in my own life has had to perform, honestly, some very painful spiritual surgery in me. And I just share my heart with you here today as an imperfect person. The Lord has performed a decade-long spiritual surgery in me. And the surgery that he has performed is the redefinition of success. Turn to your neighbor and say, redefinition of success. I believe that we often need to understand how different success in the kingdom of God looks to success in the world. You must understand, I was raised in a family and I love my parents. I'm not here in any way to be negative, but I was raised in a family where success equals accomplishment. Anything less than the top is not acceptable. Whether it be in the, in the sporting realm in my case or the academic realm in my sister's case, we were expected to achieve. What I've learned over the recent years walking the Lord is that while this might be the acceptable view of the world, I believe so deep in my spirit today that that is not the way that the Lord views success in His kingdom. And if we intend on planting ourselves at the apex of a mountain and remaining there indefinitely. We are not in the will of God. If we think that this life in the kingdom means that we can find an apex somewhere and pitch a tent and stay there indefinitely, we are not in the will of God. Because to be a Christian by definition is to be Christ-like. And the Bible says these words, that Jesus made himself of no reputation and took a Upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Praise God. That means I don't need a reputation to be successful in the things of God. I don't need accomplishment. I don't need money in my bank or degrees on my wall to be successful. I need to be a servant. I need to be a faithful. I need to be abiding. I need to turn up to the house of God when this flesh doesn't want to come and I will be successful in the sight of God. Can someone say, praise the Lord. That is success. It's abiding when we don't want to abide. It's being faithful when it's hard to be faithful. It's to forgive when it's hard to forgive. It's being long-suffering when it's hard to be long-suffering. That is success in the eyes of the kingdom of God. God, give us a revelation today of success in your eyes to be faithful and to be forgiving and to be long-suffering and to hold on in the midst of storms. Praise God. Because who we are in this season, who we are and what we do in that season is what matters. These are the critical moments when carnality dies When flesh dies, 
When egos and prides are murdered, when superficiality dies, when our will dies, and when his will prevails. We love that scripture in Galatians 6 verse 9 that says, And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. If we do not faint, how much do we love that? Most people here today, you can probably quote that scripture without even referring to your Bible. But how about the verse before? The verse that says, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Sounds pretty different to Galatians 6, 9. And what we want to believe Galatians 6, 9 means. Doing well is not as the world defines it. It's not the type of defined destination. It's the heeding to the Spirit. It's the sowing to the Spirit. It means every day that I wake up, I'm going to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. It means that I'm going to walk in His will, regardless of how difficult it may feel. It means that I'm a Christian in the house of God, as I will be a Christian when I'm not in the of man it's not the milestones that our flesh desires you see we can be so destination focused i'll put my hand up first how many here feel that at times we can be so destination focused oh i can't wait to finish that degree i can't wait to get this job i can't wait to buy this or do that we can be so destination focused but i truly believe that our god is process focused He's not as much concerned about our arrival to some special moment that tickles our flesh. He wants to know who will you become in the process on the way to that destination. What type of change takes place in you as you are crawling and walking to that destination, praise God. Because in a world where there are so many arrivals that we dream of, so many goals that we want to achieve, there is only one arrival that truly matters. And Pastor Butcher said it earlier, it's that place in the presence of Jesus where he will say well done thou good and faithful servant that is the only destination that matters and if we just go through process after process kill the flesh kill the flesh but one day we stand in the presence of Jesus and he says well done thou good and faithful it's been worth it praise God it's been worth it praise God because the Bible says this life is but a vapor it's a vapor compared to eternity. So if I gotta go through some flesh killing experiences, but I one day stand in the presence of Jesus and He says, well done. I wanna tell you today, it's been worth it. It's been worth it. It's been worth every disappointment. It's been worth every knife in the back. It's been worth every lie said about you. It's been worth every disappointment. Why? Because my flesh might die, but when my spirit grows, I'm gonna stand in the presence of my Savior one day. We need to understand how small a vapor is. The vapor is so small compared to eternity. Yet so many people will walk away from eternity because of one part that takes place in the course of a vapor. And that's why the Lord, what He's done in my life is He's He's taught me that these destinations, that these arrivals are not as important as the process. Because the process keeps us anchored. 
The process damages self. The process damages flesh. And when the flesh in us dies, the spirit in us rises. When the spirit rises, when we come into the house of God, we worship like we never worshiped before. We come to altars like we never come before. When flesh dies, our salvation becomes safer. Do you know it's better for your salvation for your flesh to be in tatters when we got nowhere to turn but to turn to Jesus Christ when we don't know what to do but to turn up to church prayer because nothing else has worked our salvation is in a safer place in that moment than when we're standing on the mountaintop feeling like everything's going great my life's working out just like I wanted it to he views the process he views the process The greatest men and women of faith I've ever known don't lose their heads when God elevates them because they've been through enough process to know that God can turn it off in a second. Amen. We just got to understand that this is a process. And if we're in a season of blessing, then praise God, I'm in a season of blessing. If we're in a season of difficulty, then praise God, I'm being changed. But whatever you do, don't turn your back on God. We need to know how to wait and abide no matter what we're going through in our life. Can someone say hallelujah? Because heaven could not care less how many zeros are in your bank balance. Heaven does not care the type of house that we live in and the blessings that we have. If God's blessed you, praise God. But you still better get yourself to the house of God. This is the most important part of your life. No matter what favor, no matter what blessing, no matter what good things have come your way. Because heaven does not care what you try, how you live, what job you have. I'm preaching to someone here today. If you're on a mountaintop, then praise God. You can come pray for us later on. But I'm preaching to the people here today that are in a process. In a process that's causing you damage and pain. I'm preaching to that person here that feels like they're in a rut. Like they're not making progress. You may feel like nothing significant is taking place in your life. But I'm here to tell you, you are at a critical moment in your faith. Regardless of the season. Regardless of what stands before us. The Bible says that this is the day that he has made and I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. That's what destination focus does to us. When we are so preoccupied with, I got to get there. I got to do that. It diminishes the value of today. It diminishes the value of what we have today. And do you know what we have today? His mercies are new today. His presence goes before us today, praise God. There is value in your today because he is part of our today. Let's get our mind off six months from now and 12 months from now and realize that today is the day of salvation and we are in the house of God and I don't care what happens next week. I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus today. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you're thankful. Praise God. There is value in today. Value in today. I've been blessed to be given the opportunity to spend time 
with many powerful men and women of faith and I've seen it firsthand. There was a man that came to this nation in 2013 and by the name of Brother Josh Carson and he blew my mind by what he did one day. It was not what he did behind a pulpit which was masterful. He's a gifted speaker. It's what he did the day before. Sharing a in Sydney before we came down and sharing a two-bedroom uh, apartment. I'm, go to the bathroom and I don't know whether it was the jet lag or what it may have been. But at 3 a.m. in the morning, that man was on his knees praying for every young person in the country with which he was about to minister to. And I thought to myself, you know what? The big day is going to be is this weekend. But he understands that today is the day of salvation. And he got himself on his knees and he prayed for the souls of every person in Australia. And I tell you something, that ministered to me more than what he did behind a pulpit. Praise God. Because God doesn't see what we do here. He sees what we do in secret praise God in the in the process on the way to the destination God sees every part of our life there is value in today because today I am walking with Jesus today I am walking with Jesus I don't know if sister Cass is here there or anywhere but if we, if we can have a keyboard player I won't be much longer here today But I'm speaking to a church that lives in an age where everything that is projected to us is destination focused. If you're a young person on social media, you're seeing influences and all that is being thrown your way. Is the Lamborghini they're driving, the blessings upon their life? And we can devalue what we have in him when all we see all around us in the church and in the world is destination focus. I truly believe here today that if we cannot get our minds off of the arrival to a special place of value that tickles our flesh, we are vulnerable in our faith. We are vulnerable. We have to find that point in our faith where if that special shiny thing never comes my way, Jesus is still enough for me. Yeah? If I don't get that job, he's enough. Yeah, if I don't have 400 people in this church in two years, he is enough. If God doesn't open up those big doors for me, he is still enough. And if we can fall in love with being in the presence of Jesus in silence as much as we can, when all these wonderful things in the sight of man come our way, our salvation is secure, praise God. Because nobody can take away the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And if we are relying on these special moments, if we worship conferences, Oh, it's a Wednesday night. Oh, I don't know. You're just going to dampen down my expectation. But praise God, turning point's only around the corner. And that's when God's going to show up. That's not a kingdom mindset. A kingdom mindset is I'm in the house of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I expect him to move in the presence of two people as he will in the presence of 600 people. Praise God. That's the kind of mindset that Jesus wants us to have. That today is the day of salvation. And he can move powerfully. 
in my life today. Would you stand with me in the presence of God? And so I'm convinced here today that every single believer, every single one of us will be exposed to these seasons of testing. Amen? Seasons of enduring. Seasons of abiding. Seasons of holding on. In the absence of these arrivals in our life, in the absence of guest speakers, in the absence of perfect sound, in the absence of the shiny objects that get our attention, Jesus will be asking here today, is he enough? Am I enough? When you feel as though God has forgotten to switch your blessings on, he's asking you here today, is he enough? When the reality of our life falls short of our expectations, he's asking you here today, is he enough? Proverbs chapter 18 says these words, but there is a friend who sticks closer than any brother. And I'm telling you here today, that that scripture has special meaning when we find ourselves in the wait seasons of life. When we're not rejoicing in our flesh because of something great that's taken place, it focuses our attention on the Lord. C.S. Lewis says these words. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, everyone has noticed how hard it is to turn our thoughts to God when everything is going well with us, and while we, what we call our own life remains agreeable, we will not surrender to God. What then can God do in our interest but make our own life less agreeable to us and take away the plausible source of fake happiness? And Peter affirms this when he says, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perish, that would be tested by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, who having not seen we love, though now you do not see him, yet believing we rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let me encourage some apostolic people of God here today that feel like you're just waiting, just abiding, just waiting on the Lord, that the scripture tells us that it's in that time that we shall be renewed, that we shall mount up with wings as eagles that we shall run and not be weary, that we shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you, but I would rather be going through flesh issues, but feel the comfort of Jesus Christ, than to be standing upon the mountaintop, unable to access the presence of God, because we do not need Him at the mountaintop. Would you lift your hands right now in the presence of Jesus, and would you pray with me? 
I believe here today there are many, many people that feel like they're in the abiding seasons of life. You're in the waiting seasons of life. And the Bible tells us that when we are there, He shall visit with us. He shall comfort us. Let's pray right now, Father. Oh, would you pray with me? Come on, church. Let's pray. This is an apostolic church. Let's open up our mouths. Let's invite the presence of God here today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand before you, Lord God. Father, we are thankful that you saved us. You died for us. You've given us life and life more abundant. But today I pray that you would touch every apostolic here today under the sound of this voice, Lord God. There are people whose flesh is hurting, Lord God. There are people that feel disappointed and discouraged and tired and weary, Lord God. But your word promises, Lord, that you will lift us up, that you will strengthen us, and that you will comfort us in that place, O Lord. God, I pray right now, oh God, that we would feel your presence, Lord Jesus, your sweet presence here today, Lord God, I pray that you would touch your sons and your daughters in the house of God today. I want to ask you here right now, if you want to touch from Jesus Christ, if you want to touch from the master here today, That if you are feeling tired and weary, you have come to the right place. Because the presence of God is here to strengthen you and to renew you today. I want to encourage some people that feel like you can't get a break. That at every turn there's disappointment and destruction. Today is the day that God can lift you up and encourage you and strengthen you here today. Come on church. Let's, let's allow God to touch us. Let's allow His presence to do what we cannot do ourselves. His presence is here to touch you, to strengthen you, and to lift you up. Even in the absence of secular success, He is here to touch His saints. If you feel that you need a touch, if you feel that you need a refreshing, if you feel that God is here to meet your needs today and to lift you up, I want to encourage you to come down to the altar here today where we can feel the presence of God. And I promise you, you're going to feel his presence. The word promises here today that he will lift you up. He's not surprised by your tired and your weary flesh. But he is here to breathe life into your situation. He is here to strengthen tired bodies, to strengthen weariness here today. He's our comforter. He's our personal savior. And he is here to meet your needs. I want to encourage you here today. Let us rest and abide in the presence of Jesus while he might be found. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. Let's respond to the Lord's leading here today. Let's respond to the Lord's leading here today. Oh, let us spend time in the presence of the King of Glory.